Hey everyone, before the episode starts, we just wanted to let you know we now have a Patreon. Our patrons will get access to episodes early, monthly minisodes, and will be able to vote on the movies we choose. Go to patreon.com slash isitwet for more information. Uh, thanks so much to everyone who subscribed already. You are like the personification of how the movie Blade makes us feel. So thank you so much. Hey everyone. Welcome to Is It Wet, where much like the characters in the box, we are also probably being surveilled by the NSA as we speak. I'm Sophie. I'm Caitlin. And today we are showing up unannounced at your house with this episode in which we discuss the 2009 psychological thriller and arguably science fiction film, The Box. Yes. I would say inarguably a science yes, fiction yeah. film. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah. Wikipedia is out of its goddamn mind Honestly. only describing this movie as a psychological thriller. Because if you go into <laughs> this thinking it's going to be a psychological thriller, uh you're going to have a you're going to have a weird time. Uh, but that's how they marketed it. Uh, right. so, like I don't so because I saw this movie in theaters be specifically mm -hmm. because the trailer looked so good and the trailer made it look like a psychological thriller so yeah they yes. they knew what they were doing <laughs> yes they were uh, like we can't let yeah let's not show let's not show our hand in in any way uh that yes. might you know bring in people who would actually be fans of what this is yeah, that's a good point. Because if you like, if they leaned harder into the sci-fi aspect of it, then right. maybe, yeah, a different audience would have, uh, it would have had a different reception. Because I I think people either were not aware of this movie or didn't really like it. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we'll get into this, but this was directed by Richard Kelly, who directed Donnie Darko. Not a surprise. <laughs> Yeah, I Very I learned that afterwards Donnie, and I was like, yeah. oh, that makes so much fucking sense. In fact, that should, like, there should be a warning at the beginning. Like, <laughs> listen, you're going to get the fake deep bullshit of Donnie Darko. And then I would have been like, oh, I got you. Yeah. Portals. Uh, random literary illusions. Yep. Uh, very formidable teens staring you, looking at you. I would have understood. I would have understood. Yes. But... Very excited to talk about this movie, but um, before we get into that, Caitlin, did you have a wet part of your week, whether it was like a wet moment or a wet thing that you consumed? I definitely did, and I fucking meant to look up what it was called uh, before <laughs> this, and I didn't. Uh, hold on, let me figure out what this game was called, because it's a video game. Hold on. It's called Sludge Life, and... Uh, ben Monster was playing it and it's okay. literally just the plot of it is you are this little I don't even know what you are you're I don't even think you know what you are in the game you're just an entity in the game whose task is to like find these little points mm -hmm. throughout the map where you do this like uh, spray paint tag you okay. have a little tag that you go around and you're supposed to tag the the city in particular places but uh, ben Monster was playing it, and he. I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll watch him play this game." And I, I got in and was like, "Ben, what the fuck is this game?" Because it's like, 
the whole map takes place in mud. Like everything is mud. And the sounds that they're using are just, it is the squelchiest ASMR. Like I, Robert Rodriguez had to have done the <laughs> sounds for this game in his garage because oh it is so squelchy with every single step you take. And then I thought that uh. was it. And then Ben is like, oh, wait, uh, watch when I go over here. There's like a little, there's like this little goopy bug guy that lives in here. And I was like, excuse me? Th did I make this game in the future and I just don't know it yet? Because you're already playing a game entirely submerged in mud and right, muck. Right. And then he just casually is like, oh yeah, there's like a little goopy bug guy. And, and, and there was. We got to meet the little goopy bug guy and he, d he does his own little uh, tag. <laughs> He does his own little tag. Do you get to interact with him in any meaningful way? You do. Okay. Yeah, you it's do. You get to talk the... to him. And the voice acting in the game is really funny because it's like it's like Simlish where it's not real. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The bug guy will just be like. And then and then that's it. So and you just slosh around in the mud and you make this little tag of it's like a little squid thing. Maybe you're like a little squid guy and your friends this little bug guy. So it seems like a pretty uh, on brand game for us. <laughs> Caitlin, that sounds like your your just version of of heaven. Like if there's ever a black mirror situation like San Junipero where we need to put your consciousness somewhere, uh Exactly. That's where it's going. That's where it's good. That's how you're getting San Junipero'd. That could just put me in there. Exactly. <laughs> put just you put in me there. right in. Plug, you can plug still me have in. a romance. Yeah. It can still be the yeah. 80s. It will just be in a bog. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It can still be the 80s. It'll just be in a bog. That's like my catchphrase. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, um, so Sophie, what did you, did you experience anything wet this week? You know, not, not in this, this plane of existence, ah, but okay. I think I can really relate to, <laughs> to a character that has like an emotional support alternate reality. Oh, okay. In that I'm watching WandaVision, Ooh, uh, yes. which is fantastic. It's I really, so I just finished the the last episode uh, for us in this. Um, <laughs> yes. It's almost time. like our podcast is an alternate timeline. Um, yeah, in, it's like, it's like you get it. Listening to this podcast is you just get into like a, a water column. The third one. This is like getting into the <laughs> third water column. <laughs> this is the third one. Yeah. All right. I, I remember because when I saw you earlier at the back of a party you were catering, you just put up the, the number three. Exactly. Um, so I knew to get into the third water column, mm -hmm. which if that doesn't make sense to you listening to it, I don't understand that either. <laughs> and I've seen the movie I'm referencing. Um yeah, so uh, WandaVision's great. I mean, we've said that Marvel is not wet. I would not say that the show is particularly wet, but I really enjoy, um, like, it really hooked me the way it started to copy, like, sitcoms from the 90s and 2000s. I think most people are watch are watching this. Yeah, or they at least, like, they know the shtick, they get too. The, they know they get that the each shtick. episode is, uh, She's yeah. in an 
spoiler, she's in an alternate reality that I think she's constructing, that each episode's a, a different decade mm-hmm. sitcom. And the one in the 90s is Malcolm in the Middle style, mm-hmm. which to me was a very important, very wet show. Absolutely. And then the latest one was kind of 2000s multi-camera confessional sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the idea of just being like, I can't handle uh, my life right now, so I'm going to create just a whole town, an alternate reality um, that's that's pretty fucked up, but, you know, that's self-care, and we love it. And, you know, I am creating a WandaVision of my own, uh, a little smaller scale. It's in the apartment. And the only um, unwillingly trapped person is me. And it's just in um, in sort of the within my the the architecture of my own mind. Uh, So I'm doing great. Um, But yeah, it's a great show. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's on the wetter spectrum of Marvel movies in that it it's very dark and it's willing to like deal with more more complexity. Yes. Um and rather than just and less quips and more just like just and just very surrealism. And then I honestly the surrealism in it very much reminded me of this movie we're discussing today. Yeah, definitely. There being like this barrier that you cross into and you're not yes. even really sure what is on the other side of it. Like right. you're you're not sure what that barrier that you've crossed into like is right. exactly. And then you come back and have to Yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty much the box. So, you know what? Get a little bit more creative, Marvel. Don't just do a box remake. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh No, the WandaVision's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. For for a box remake, it's, it's oh, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's fantastic yeah. for a the box remake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so let's oh, get into the box. Let's just like open it up and press that button. As someone who has been recently diagnosed, we're we're getting real on this podcast, I think. So <laughs> diagnosed with ADHD and OCD. Um, if that box had not come with a lock, I would have been pushing that thing. <laughs> Before the explanation, I would have been like, just, what is this? I think that's why, I think that's why it had the lock. He, he probably did a couple test runs and was like, yeah, people are just gonna be pressing that thing nonstop. And I would have, even before the explanation, I would have been like, oh, me pressing that definitely killed someone. (laughs) That's a very, very OCD thought. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I mean, but but a little. (laughs) It's no, it's 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 a fantastic um, exploration of that of that anxiety. But um, honestly, yeah. So okay, this is we. I'm sure we'll mention this that this movie is a uh, an adaptation of a Twilight Zone episode, the like second iteration of the Twilight Zone in the 80s, I believe. Yes, because it's it was originally a short story. Yes. And so you experience both of these things, which is great. Mm-hmm. So you will be our expert, but mm-hmm. not having read or just just knowing that it came from a short story, I would imagine that a big part of the original like short story and also the Twilight Zone version, I would imagine it, it relies a lot on that tension mm-hmm. between 
receiving the box and pressing the button. I think that's yes. the, the crux of it. And that's why it works mm-hmm. so well as a short story and a Twilight Zone episode, because Twilight right. Zone episodes really focus in on like tension in, in some aspect of yes. human society. Yes. And, and, a, and a contained story. Yeah. Yes. And so then so like taking that main tension, which I like, that's such a great idea, like as a Mm -hmm. central conceit, having this box that Frank Langella delivers to your house and says, you can either press it or not, like just just the central idea of it is so Twilight Zone. And but but then you've you take that and you explode it into two hours (laughs) and and then that tension is like a little bit lost because you know they're going to yes, press the button. Yes. You know it's going to happen like probably a third of the right. way into the movie so that other stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I think a lot of it is a lot of that cool like tension is lost. <laughs> yeah. So the original short story, this movie, the con- and basically the conceit, concept or conceit of the box or button mm-hmm. button as the story was previously called uh, called in the short story and the Twilight Zone episode. It, it's definitely an example of a movie that could be an email in that <laughs> it, the uh, the short story is like six pages long. And it it actually reads a little bit like uh, an urban legend or or a chain email, like yeah yeah okay like, like like if you don't forward this then the box will come to you and kill and kill you, um, and I can get into. It, the plot differences between even between the Twilight Zone ep- episode and the uh, short story episode are really interesting to me. Huh. Okay. And then the differences between the movie. Um. And I can get into. I can. I can get into those. But but we can also talk about the box first. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk about the box. Let's talk about the the movie. Uh. So Frank Langella, who I think contractually has to be in any movie in the 1970s yes if there's fedoras in it if there's fedoras he has yeah. he has to be in it yeah he's he's got that face uh everyone knows that i'm a big frost nixon stand Please, you need to stop you now right there because you're doing something here which i am not doing and i will not do throughout these entire broadcasts. You're quoting me out of context, out of order, and I might add, I have participated in all these interviews without a single note in front of me. So, mm-hmm. big fan of his Nixon. So also bold, because he still kind of kind of has a Nixon era, or Nixon quality about him. So putting just throwing him into oh, this yeah. 1970s world. Yeah, he shows up, he basically the plot of this movie <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to cover the plot but the beginning of this movie is he shows up well they get a button in a box mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh they basically uh Frank Langella then shows up and tells them tells Cameron Diaz's character that uh she can press the button someone she doesn't know will die but then she'll get a million dollars and that is what the trailer and common sense would lead you to believe is the plot of this movie. Yes. Which, again, great. Like, that is interesting as hell. That's yes. what drew me yeah. in. That's what brought me to the movie theater was, yeah, his rules of 
you yeah you you press the you press the button and you get a million dollars but someone whom you do not know dies and that's all you get and that is i mean that is so uh so what a sweet nugget of a story right you know honestly yeah and and a quick and a quick little conundrum that i think only makes sense as a you know what is frustrating to me about all three iterations of the story and again i will get into it later is that i think that's a really interesting commentary on on sort of the way that we sort of export violence and as long as we're okay, like especially uh like white americans in this in this country kind right, of right as long as things are going okay for us we export violence. and i think that's an interesting commentary yeah. however i don't think any of these stories really explore this no. nor do they really get into why they would why they would be tempted to press the button because the way that they show that the family has money problems to me is the funniest. It is, <laughs> it is the yeah. funniest setup ever. Yeah. yeah. I also, I think this is the first movie we've done where it's began with like an NSA memorandum. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I like to keep track of that. Yeah. 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 I, I believe this is the first, um, yeah, the first like internal memo from the NSA <laughs> that has started a movie. And it basically tells you that like, there's a weird fucker out there. The NSA is like, there's a weird fucker who got struck by lightning and now he's on the run and you put together very quickly that it's Frank Langella's character who shows up with the box. Yeah. So, yeah, this is I forgot that this movie was so heavy on like the uh, the NSA and like NASA stuff. Like right, there's right. <laughs> there's government agencies <laughs> in like most of the scenes in this movie. I don't know how I forgot that. But um I love the Wikipedia description of this movie <laughs> solely for the first line because <laughs> I need to pull it up. So this is the plot of the just this is just the first sentence of the Wikipedia description of the yeah. plot for the box, two thousand nine. Yeah. Yeah. In December nineteen seventy six, financially desperate NASA engineer Arthur <laughs> Lewis, and I'm not even gonna finish the sentence honestly because. <laughs> He is a NASA engineer. He is not, he doesn't just like work at NASA. (laughs) He designed a camera that is going to be used on Mars. And he lives in like a huge house in uh, in Richmond, Virginia. (laughs) And he is like, oh, well, you know, I'm just here working at top level of NASA. And oh, shucks. I went I went and yelled at my boyfriend. I was like, 1970s, you work at NASA. Are you struggling? And he was like, please leave me alone. <laughs> no. He was like, I can't live, I can't live like this anymore. And no. Um, and yes. So him present presenting that he's just this hardworking uh grunt at at Na- Caitlin, at NASA. At NASA. He is a... And not even NASA now. Like, when NASA was still, like, a big yes. deal in the 70s. He, like, yeah. they, he literally... You said it. He... he They make a big deal about mm-hmm. this... Uh, I think it's, like, the Viking 
rover that's going yeah. to Mars or something. And he yeah. invented the camera that it's using. Like, yes, he's an and he is a NASA engineer. Uh, but this fucker knows Ar- Arthur C. Clarke. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not not that like that. That is immediate signifier of wealth i don't know i think maybe in the 1970s if you were like are you a friend of arthur c Clarke?" oh i mean meant, that's like yeah. that's got a lot of cultural cachet for sure yes, you are exactly yeah if you yeah. you drop that at parties and weddings and wedding rehearsal, rehearsal dinners, dinners that yeah. you're going to yeah so yeah he is a financially <laughs> desperate nasa engineer and yeah. they just kind yeah. of say that because <laughs> They just you. They but just why, say why that. Why not make him a janitor at, at NASA? Because he I can know. still be a NASA employee. Yeah, because that was necessary for the plot. Right. Oh, boy. right. And his wife is also working, so they're dual income. Mm-hmm. They have one child. That's they it. They have one child. She works at a private, like a Catholic school, mm-hmm. where she teaches children. Uh, one of the most bananas sort of character introductions ever. She's teaching John Paul Sartre no exit to a room full of middle schoolers i think so it took me a while to realize she wasn't a college professor right right i think they're either middle or high schoolers i don't think no exit is something that you cover and i don't think that's that no i studied english literature and i never encountered it right right (laughs) at any point right yeah no it's like you you read it if you're like a theater major or a philosophy major yes yeah philosophy major for sure yeah but i don't know and also like i guess catholics are like we got it well we believe in uh literal hell but let's also explore john paul sarge's version of hell that it's other people we gotta cover all our bases yeah that is weird that that a catholic school would be would be studying that that's yeah that's pretty and like not only are they studying it but they're also they also perform it right which is an interesting because later on the camera diaz goes and sees the performance children perform no exit yes okay (laughs) yes uh no exit and yeah i mean again i was in some plays that like maybe (laughs) maybe i should not have been doing as a child but i believe like it, there's a lot of like seduction and and swearing. It's not it's not an, a family appropriate play, if I if I recall correctly. Nor is it a fun like pick me up for for no. children to perform for their parents. Which you know I I guess like Richard Kelly's like I gotta get my I gotta reference no exit <laughs> as soon like as soon I think as possible. He's always like because in. Donnie Darko, there's like a text, an yes. essential text yeah. that they keep referencing and keep going back to. And it's it no exit is definitely definitely like a central text of this movie too, because they keep they referencing may be in it. Purgatory? And, <laughs> and there's that. There's that. Yeah. So I would say that like I think the director just has a thing with like he needs to like anchor us to like a central right, text. Right. Otherwise uh, what he's saying isn't valid or something. I don't know. Right. I think it's like not having confidence and i mean yeah congratulations to richard kelly the first uh sophomore film student to make two two movies (laughs) of that caliber no i I do love johnny dark darko but it is very much dorm room deep 
Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So I love. So basically, they set up that they're financially struggling. Um, one because Cameron Diaz doing the most bananas southern accent imaginable. Oh, I, yeah, I want to just point out a moment early on when Frank Langella comes yeah. and delivers the box and he tells uh-huh. her the uh the that if you press it you get a million dollars but someone whom you do not know will die her response to him is are you for real <laughs> that's all she says to him he says he explains the rules of the box to her and she goes are you for real <laughs> I was like what? oh my god Kevin Diaz come on you know, oh my she, god! I guess she's trying. She's trying to do. A it was a wet choice again. Yeah. I, as far as I know, people from Virginia don't have like a super strong Southern accent. No, like not I don't think not so either. Hev- not heavy. So, and this movie is also very much. Um, it's in the 1970s. The way that Wild Mountain Time is set in Ireland <laughs> is oh, for it sure. is like Epcot 1970s, like yes. uh, in a very wet way to me. The 1970s is usually like kind of more dry, like can be a little bit dry to me. Like the wallpaper, yep. the the I love the clothes, the like crunchy Farrah Fawcett hair, the cocaine. Yeah, um, it's a little bit dry, but this was just like over over the top they're like we're worried you're not sure when this takes place yeah so this so like yeah we're just gonna have like gerald ford uh on the radio at every 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 second um we're gonna have very famous 1970s ads on the tv whenever it's turned on yeah it's very much yeah very much 1970s which is weird because the i didn't get that from the trailer so I, that was kind of a surprise to me. It actually took me, I was like, okay, all right, this is the 1970s. It's not just a weird, like, stylistic choice. I for, I had forgotten that it took place in the 1970s also. I think just be, it had to be set then because maybe it, it had to be, like, modern, but not... Right. To the point where like technology would have advanced to where someone could right. figure out what the what this box thing is or like if people had a so way to someone commun- could Google like or like put on Reddit like, hey, this guy came with a box to my house. Has this happened to anyone else? What do I do? Yes, like it, it had to be it had to be before cell phones had to be before really I it there's something there's like it's a, there's a very retro feel to this. I mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. thought that like this is 1970s as presented by Tomorrowland. Um, yes. In yes. In Disney. Yeah. This is uh, it's very much like a a, a retro futuristic vision. Yes. Yeah. Which is wet as hell, you know. So and wet. So wet. Yeah. I feel like if we told James Marsden's character how <laughs> not far we had gone with like space travel and everything by in, in 2021, he'd be so disappointed in us. Oh, he'd be real sad. And he was already yeah. so sad because, oh my God. So they, okay. The two ways that they show they're financially struggling are- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh my God. So fucking funny. Well, first, uh, they say- that her child can no longer have a discount to go to the fancy Catholic school. That's right. Yes, yes. Which, as a child who got a scholarship discount because their mother uh-huh. taught at their Catholic school, that's mm-hmm. like a big deal. <laughs> I can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that, I'm not. I'm not discounting that as a big deal. Yeah. 
certainly, certainly that that I I take seriously. It's again the NASA engineer. It's thing that, that part, yeah. It's that. Um, and then the blow that happens to him before he learns <laughs> he gets a letter. He dramatic they dramatically his coworkers present it to him. They're like, "Hey, this is from NASA. Even the place we work has a letter for you that's that, coming to I your work." I kept saying that too. I kept saying that too because his boss calls. His boss calls someone and says, "I demand to know about like the application." And I was like, "Who are you calling? You're at NASA. <laughs> you Who are. are you calling?" <laughs> I guess there's different divisions. I don't know. The I engineering guess. and then but he literally says <laughs> my astronaut application was rejected. Yeah. And that's when I was like this was written by 12-year-olds, <laughs> by very competent 12-year-olds. This is like a really good 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 writing for a 12 for 12-year-olds. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Thinking about how 12-year-olds wrote this, like honestly, maybe we shouldn't be so hard on it because this is We shouldn't. This no. was a feat. But yeah, I yeah. lost my mind <laughs> when the guy gets on the phone, his his boss at NASA, his boss at NASA <laughs> is like and again, these are already the top engineers at NASA because yeah. they're building the cameras. Again, we want to be clear to people. This is NASA. <laughs> yeah. This is the the NASA. N-A-S-A. And he is, they're building the camera for the, like, the Mars like rover thing that they're sending right. up there. And he, it's his boss gets on the phone and says, his astronaut application was rejected. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, who did you call? Because you're at NASA. And second of all, what is an astronaut application? Like, it, that's not how, that can't be how it works. No, that it is. Can't be. It is a military position that you work up to. You yeah. don't just like apply to be an astronaut. And it would. It's not called that, right? It's not called that. And. It, <laughs> After they read the note, and, or <laughs> it was a note, it was a single piece of paper in an envelope. It was a single document. And, and yeah. from that single piece of paper, James Marsden is like, but I aced every single exam. He he right. know, he knows that he got a perfect score on every single exam, <laughs> except, of course, for the psychological exam, which he failed. We don't okay. know the parameters. We don't know right. what that means. I don't even know if there is one. I, I'm, I don't work at NASA. I'm not James Marsden. I got excited. I was like, maybe the box was like a psychological test for that. No. Right. No, no. It's unrelated. Well, so I think, okay, not to like defend this movie, but. Oh, uh, I want to be clear. I I fucking loved this movie. (laughs) I did too. Yeah. I love this movie. It's so weird. And it it, it gets weirder and weirder and weirder progressively throughout the movie. It's Charlie's Angels full throttle. It just like. Yeah, it just does not let up. But I do think when they said he failed the psychological exam, that is to imply that, like, first of all, the ableism in this movie is fucked up. Oh, it is. Um, And it is truly ableist. Yes, it is a theme. Permeates it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. 
it permeates the whole movie. And even here where it's like, what does failing? Because I think what they're saying with him, him being smart enough and competent enough to be an astronaut, but he failed the psychological exam is like he's going to fail the other exam he has coming. That's an indicator of him failing the moral exam that Uh, him and Cameron Diaz have later, even though it's Cameron. Cameron Diaz is the one who presses the button. It's always a woman. It's always the wife who presses it's, the button, which they the, stress. It's always the woman. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's true across adaptations and source material. Really? Yeah. That yeah. Uh, is not surprising. Not surprising yeah. at all. The original short story is very misogynistic. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that part of it, I th- yeah, was... Yeah. Um, uh, really ridiculous and so yeah but so I saw them saying like he fails the moral ex- he and Cameron Diaz fail the moral exam later yes. yeah and so this psychological exam thing was supposed to have been an indicator of that but like as someone who would probably fail a psychological exam <laughs> or I don't even know what that means it's just like f- what failing a psychological exam can mean lots of things right, and like right. no- none of which should be a hard stop for you uh, being an astronaut it's it's yeah it, right, uh, that was but right. we can call out these little uh, yeah. ableist things because it really is like permeates the movie it, like it permeates said. the movie and uh yeah and that's that has nothing no bearing on on your moral choices that Again, I would press the button before I knew it would kill someone. I would not press the button after I knew it would kill someone. I would would say, Frank Langella, again, big Frost Nixon fan for some reason, but you got to take this button and get out of here. Got to get out of here. And he would, of course, you know, give me a little... I did not do Watergate. And then he would leave. And then he would leave. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to I had do to do my Nixon. Do you think it's hard? I mean, after after you've like played Nixon. Right. Like I do you think it was like hard for Frank Langella to be in this movie and like not not do Nixon? I think <laughs> like, it's probably hard for Cuz you said like he there's a little bit of it in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think after you play Richard Nixon, it's hard for you to play any character cuz that's such a particular in the 70s character. Yeah. yeah. No, uh full stop. Uh he's a veteran. Oh, no. <laughs> he's a veteran actor. He's been in many things. Um he's great. But I can't imagine once you go Nixon, you never you can never play Vixen in a live action adaptation of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's what I've always said. Yeah, that's good words to live by, honestly. (laughs) Once you go Nixon, you'll never go Vixen. All right. Oh, boy. (laughs) So (sighs) they are some struggle. They are struggling. James Marsden failed the astronaut (laughs) application and he didn't get in. His boss is at NASA called NASA and couldn't get a good answer <laughs> and they were like hey this mars thing's still happening you could you have a job in this mars thing and he's like what manage a managerial <laughs> position on a mars expedition also my question is why does he want to be an astronaut okay i get he he's interested in space mm-hmm. is the movie implying that he wants to become an astronaut to go to mars in 1976 that's what the movie told us. Yeah. That's what the movie told us. <sighs> so I think that two different things were going on here, but this was me struggling to put this together. Okay. I think that they sent up they sent up a satellite to Mars with that camera and everything. And that's one project. 
separately, there's going to be another like just space shuttle launch. Okay. I think. Not necessarily to go to Mars or anything. There's just like different projects going on. So I just think to like- Just fuck around. Yeah. Yeah. Because I yeah. also was like, we haven't sent humans to Mars yet and it's 2021. No, no. We weren't sending people to Mars in 1976. Right. No, we were not. So, no. yeah, I don't, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, we were, we were sending up, up people that are just like- fuck around a lot in the 1970s will, yeah so it, to me it's that. like yeah the the thing that james marston made the camera for i guess that must have been separate that's like a mars yeah. mission and then they're also looking for people to just like be astronauts in space and right, so he right. wants to do that too i hear here's the thing you can do a movie where people are tempted who are not struggling financially necessarily but are tempted by a large sum of money. Yeah. And that would actually be, be more interesting thematically because, I mean, it's still interesting that, to see people who are, like in the Twilight Zone episode, people who are struggling for, genuinely um, have to make that kind of mm -hmm. like moral decision. But you also like, for example, if this choice was given to someone and like they were going to die, that that's a different moral calculus Yes. Uh, if they're in like abject poverty, then well off people. But I think well off people might be more tempted because, as we know, within capitalism, there's already that kind of compartmentalization going on where the the violence yeah. of accumulating wealth kind of just becomes kind of routine. So I think that's again, yes, there is an interesting commentary that I don't know if it's accidental. But it's there. Um, but I think they didn't have to like make up reasons for them to want a million dollars because like I agree. I people agree. want a yeah. million dollars and like yes, yeah, yes. People are morally dubious. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. have to like the idea of someone offering anyone a million dollars. Yeah. There's like very few people that you could offer that to where it wouldn't be interesting. Like people yeah. with already a million dollars. And like, I don't know a lot of those people. Right. So <laughs> yeah, this would be very interesting. And so, yes. So Frank Langella shows up and they they talk about things. So there's a few more details that go along with this mm -hmm. little deal. One of the things is Frank Langella is not permitted to disclose the identity of his employers. Yeah. So mm -hmm. he lets you know pretty early on that, like, uh, to me, that meant aliens. Even the first time I saw it, uh, <laughs> I when he said, like, I am not permitted to disclose the identity of my employers. It's just the way he says right, it and the NASA right. shit that you're like, oh, this dude's working for aliens. So that's yeah. like right off the bat. I thought he was like. I was confused. I didn't really read the memo at the beginning, and I, I should have read it more clearly. Um, this is a problem with a lot of emails that I get. I don't read them fully, um, <laughs> for sometimes for work. Um, and I thought he was like a legit part of the NSA, which he kind of is, because later they're like, yeah, the 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 government folks, the like. NSA people are like, listen, we gave you an airplane hanger. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we gave you an airplane hanger and we gave you a... Um, and, a mo and a motel. <laughs> yeah, we gave you a motel. Yeah, we, we've... It said, you've had the air airplane hanger for months. Now the NSA needs a lunar lander and, oh, okay. and, and another in hanger to do experiments on NASA employees. 
Okay, so I thought this was like ro- a rogue MK Ultra uh, NSA oh. program. I was thinking MK Ultra. Yeah, I was thinking. So I was, it yeah. like it is. You're on the right track. It. Right. I think it is. It's just being puppeted by aliens. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> um. The like. Have you if you've seen the show Fringe, like the bald guys. Uh, what are they called? Oh boy! I'm looking at these. I'm looking at these bald guys <laughs> from Fringe, though, and right? you're saying these are kind of like the. They're called bald observers, and like that's pretty much what like Frank Langella yes. had. Yeah, you're saying. Yeah, right? he's got big ob- yeah. observer energy. I I'm gonna be real with you. I I don't remember any of the plot of Fringe, um, which I think is maybe by design. But so I don't know what their fun their function is just to observe i think they're menacing um yeah shout out to shout out to the observers um yeah oh so okay so frank langella so yeah he shows up and he says that he he gives you a sense that there's you know a higher higher power at work Mm -hmm. here he's not allowed to disclose the identity of his employers number two cameron diaz and james marsden are not permitted to discuss the details of this transaction with anyone except each other Mm -hmm. and then they the third thing is they have 24 hours to decide if they're going to press the button or Mm -hmm. not so those are the terms and and then he gives her a crisp 100 dollar bill from the briefcase of a million dollars and later at nasa of all places james marsden confirms the authenticity of that hundred dollar bill that is nasa (laughs) science confirmed that that hundred dollar bill is real uh so they believe him Mm -hmm. they believe frank langella and you know and then i love the scene i do love the scene where they take the box into like the garage mm-hmm. or something and he pries he pries the yeah. wooden part of it open and you see that there is nothing inside. Yes. It's just like a superficial button pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. So what's there to worry about? And then I want to hear your thoughts on James Marsden. The, the closest they come to engaging with like this like fucked up um, sort of you you had a good phrase for it you're distancing the violence right um, right right you're you're putting off uh violence yeah the the closest that they come to discussing this i th- i think is james marsden at one point says like what does it really know mean to know people like do we right. really know our neighbors you know like what does it really mean to know someone and i heard that and i was like okay so like we could get into this and then they never talk about it Again. So I, I can tell you where this comes from. Excellent. Yeah. I I will have to get into the plot of the short story and uh, and then I want to end the Twilight Zone episode. So the short story, uh, I think it was written in. Oh, it was written in 1970. Okay, I was like, surely 1950s. So um, basically, the the premise is the same. This guy shows up. Uh, you don't know where they work. They they just seem to be a middle class family in New York City. Okay, great. Perfect. They just get the box. They have a while to think over it. The husband is very morally opposed to it. He's like, do not touch it. It's wrong. The wife is just like, hey, we could use this to go to Europe or explore. They're not necessarily financially struggling, but they were like, this would open up a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no. And then she's like, well, why don't we just talk about, talk about it? And there seems to be just like, 
conflict in their marriage. And so mm-hmm. he goes to work and she's just like, oh, this is fake. And they do a similar thing where they open it and there's like no mechanisms. Um, and so she presses it and is like, whatever. She immediately mm-hmm. gets a call from someone like as soon as she presses it um, and okay. someone calls her and is like, hello, um, your husband was pushed in front of the train. I'm your life insurance provider. Oh, um, important thing. She was not offered a million dollars in the 1970s short story. She's offered $50,000. So oh it was God. adjusted for inflation for us as an audience in the movie, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, yeah. And they're like, yes. And as your insurance provider, you automatically get his life insurance, which is $25,000 Plus, it's double indemnity. So she gets $50,000, but it was her husband. And then so she calls Frank Langella in the short story. It's Uh still Frank Langella, which is amazing. Um, (laughs) He's still doing his Nixon impression. (laughs) I know nothing. Okay, fine. Fine. You made a conclusion there. I stated my view. Now let's move on. And she calls him, and she's like, uh hey you said he you dildo you said it would be someone i don't know and he goes uh mrs whatever do you really know your husband mic drop which to me so that's like the whole fucking point of the short story each other to me it's like an urban legend it's like like yes it's like the doctor was a woman was the mom yeah yes <laughs> um, yes or like, yeah like a monkey paw yes, type yes. situation um, yeah the uh twilight zone episode is which the author hated <laughs> um oh, the original okay. short story author hated oh my god could you imagine <laughs> could you imagine if he saw this fucking movie oh, i'm i'm praying that he didn't did he did he i don't know i couldn't i, I pass couldn't. on did he is he in purgatory <laughs> do we is he uh he okay. died in 2013 he's like a very uh <sighs> he's a very veteran science fiction writer so he's he's written yeah but like there's a chance that he, he saw this movie. There's a chance movie. that he saw this movie. Um, he he might have. Oh, he wrote. Okay, we should. I'll put. I'll give him some uh, some respect. Uh, he wrote Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet and a bunch of really great original Twilight oh, Zone love movies. Love that. Love so that. He is one. Yeah. he is a very veteran, great science fiction writer, and this premise is really interesting. I'm just saying that the story is a little sexist. Oh yeah. yeah. And so the Twilight Zone episode is very similar. It's, it was in the 1980s. They bumped the price up to $200,000. <laughs> the family's poor. Okay. Um, so that you see them struggling. Okay. And the acting is like catastrophic. It's not a good episode. But to me, it's more interesting because, of course, the wife presses it. The husband has moral qualms. And so... She presses it, and then she calls, uh, and then Frank, Frank Langella, again, in the 1980s, always uh, there. comes yep. over and is like, yep, I'm going to go reprogram this. And and this happens in the the 2009 box, too. Uh, he's yes. like, I'm going to go reprogram this and bring it to another family and offer them the same choice. Uh, and I promise you, and the last line of the episode is, it will be someone you don't know. And 
that's such a better Fuck ending. Yeah, that's how right? you do it. Right? Because yes. it's like a threat. That's how because you do it. Because it says, hey, you compartmentalize this and allowed violence to happen to someone else for your own gain. But mm-hmm. hey, this could happen to you too. Which I think is a that's a strong message to me. Absolutely. So, but I love that in the shared the box button button universe. So there's always always mm-hmm. the woman presses it. The man has moral qualms. And this made me laugh cuz like if they were to do this um and to make it modern and they did it with mm-hmm. like queer queer relationship, I guess we'd have to ask who's the button pusher and who has moral qualms about pushing the button. That's what that's what we've got to ask. That's that's a really good point. Yeah, I think that we need I think that they'll probably remake the button because every it seems yes, like every yeah. like 20 years, they 10 or 20 years they yeah. remake the button. So, I assume they're going to do another remake of it. Yes. So, I'm hoping I'm hoping we'll get to see that like yeah, there there isn't I'm sick of seeing this binary between right, like right. the button pusher and the moral quandrier. It's like and the moral husband. Maybe we'll yeah. get to see it's it's yeah. very heteronormative. We get what like yeah. women are supposed to push the buttons to kill people. Men are supposed to freak out about it. We get it. Yeah. I mean don't yeah, it's again not appropriate to ask who presses the button and who <laughs> who, who has who is James Martin, who has a moral with qualm. It. Yeah. Anyway, um that's that's sort of the lore of yeah, I love that. I love to, yeah, I think it's important to look at the different iterations because the, that's what the director is drawing on. Yes. And um, mm-hmm. and I just really like to, yeah, to see the different, the di- because of course we do see it play out in the 2009 mm-hmm. box uh, movie. We see it play out that someone they don't know is killed and one of them is killed right. as a result of someone else pressing the button. Right. We see all of that play out, but it's so, I think it's so much sweeter to just have that mic drop of a line at the right, end right. Um, of that Twilight Zone yeah. episode. Oh, that is so good. Um, I thought the mic drop line of this this one was when Frank Langella this is the button's already been pressed and James Marsden says like we don't want the money anymore like we we changed our mind or whatever and he just says I'm sorry Mr. Lewis the button has been pushed and like that was kind of a mic drop line in this one and it's just it's not as effective as (laughs) as the but like but the but the refrain of like the button has been pushed is Mm -hmm. so it's such a like a it's almost like a clumsy metaphor like right. it's so heavy-handed with like oh yes our actions have consequences right. because of course we can never unpush buttons you know <laughs> Fa- famously but buttons yes. can be pushed but once uh oh boy i want to i want to yes. press that button so bad oh i know, I know it's such honestly. an intrusive thought oof yeah and when it when it slowly kind of clicks back up i love that too like i would press it just to watch it like come come back up yeah Yeah. that's how you know that's how you know that's when they were like oh fuck oh man (laughs) um the person that they killed also looked like jodie foster in the 1970s like spitting image of jodie foster as she looked in the 1970s so i was like is this film gonna murder Jodie Foster? <laughs> oh man! But it was not Jodie Foster 
through time travel. It was a it, it was wasn't. another actress. Um unfortunately. Yeah, it was just some lady who's married to also some guy who works at NASA. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz NASA's a big place, I guess. Yeah. So you don't you don't always know your coworkers no, there. No, no. And I oh my god, wait, I forgot about this line. Mm-hmm. We should have I should have said this earlier when we were talking about uh James Marsden being a NASA engineer. He says at one point when this I think this is before they've pressed yeah. the button and he says to her like, "I know we have money troubles right now, but uh listen, honey, I don't need to work at NASA forever. I can get another job." And I was like, <laughs> my mind as like an aerospace engineer where i know it's the 1970s there were like good job they're probably still good jobs good union jobs but like what in your field you you nasa is the is the top what the fuck are we talking about yeah. this is a 12 year old's understanding of, of nasa oh my god that yes. yeah i wrote that down i was just like what oh good uh so then a bunch of people start getting nosebleeds yes which is very wet um i think we got to talk about critical wet moment for me and a moment of real uh-huh. expository dialogue his description of how Norma lost Cameron Diaz's character lost her toes. To me, yeah. that's when I was like, I'm pretty sure the edible I didn't know I take I took before this movie. That's when it <laughs> kicked in. That's when I was like, oh shit. It's gonna be a long yeah. night. So yeah, to set this up, I will set it up and then you can just, disc- I want you to say what <laughs> yeah, happened to her foot. But just to set this up, this is a, this is one of the absolutely unnecessary plot elements. Yes. Um, and by that, I mean, it does nothing to further the plot. Right. It does nothing as far as character development. Yeah. And it also is uh, like just dumb and harmful uh and so <laughs> and what that is is in this movie characters are given physical deformities and disabilities just like for the hell of it just right, to like right. have like i tried to find what this movie's message is about people with physical disabilities and i couldn't figure out what that messaging was but they make it very clear that cameron diaz has a sort of she has a lot of compassion for frank langella and she is drawn to him because he uh we haven't mentioned this yet he uh was in a he was struck by lightning Uh and like severely and was killed uh (laughs) and (laughs) but he's he, 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 he is dead, dead and he's filled with like an alien he's dead. yeah he's a, an alien is puppet, puppeting his body yeah but he has a very he has a, a large uh wound uh, like uh, hi, um not wound scar he looks like two-face is that is that that uh supervillain yes. super two-face remember that name you all had for me when I was at Internal Affairs. What was it, Gordon? Olivia. Say it. Say it! Yes. 
Two-Face, Harvey Two-Face. Why should I hide who I am? Yes. Like, you can see, but just his cheek has just kind of been burned off, so you yes. can, like, see his teeth. It looks very goopy. The CGI is not good. But also, like, he's an alien, so it's it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he has a huge gaping hole in the side of his cheek that you can see his teeth through yeah. at all times. Yeah. Uh, much in, in the same way, like you said, uh, much like uh, Two-Face in, in the Batman movies. And Cameron Diaz feels this connection to him because she also has a physical disability, which is that she is missing several of her toes. And... They make the movie makes a big deal about th them having this connection. She says, like, when I looked at you, I something like when I looked at you, I kn I knew that like I was never gonna feel sorry for myself ever again or something. <laughs> yeah, it was way and harsh. I was like, that is such a fucked up message. First of all, that like don't feel bad for yourself because like other people have uh, worse you, things. You judge like, how hard their life is based on their right. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of your yeah. own so this is an face. unnecessary plot and when when I like yeah. I say it's an unnecessary plot element because I cannot find how it connects to the, anything else that's going on um, so go ahead and uh, and and illuminate for us what has happened to Cameron right Diaz. yeah so I do think it's speaking of speaking of Two-Face as I do right every night you know me and me and just just you know waxing uh, about Harvey Dent. Um this is this is now a thing in two universes where men who've had half their faces burned off, blown mm -hmm. up, offer people ultimatums. Ah, oh, yes. The world is cruel. And the only morality in a cruel world is chance. Unbiased, unprejudiced. Fair. His son's got the same chance she had. 50-50. Uh, yeah, so I wonder what that is. I don't know. Again, we are not official film scholars, but we're going to just, we're going to give that to you as a, as listeners. What does that mean? What's that? What's up with that? Yeah, let us know, please. Let it, please let us know. Please Zoom me. <laughs> yeah, send me a Zoom invite. Uh, uh, title... Two-Face slash Frank Langella in the box. What it all means. And for we'll three be hours. there. We'll be there. Uh, we'll look at your schematics. <laughs> we'll look at your your um, sl uh, old-timey slides. Um, okay. So, for, so we're introduced very early that her foot, that she's mi missing a few toes, in that her... Um, this fucking creepy little boy Ugh. in her classroom. This... Fucking Robin Aaron from Game of Thrones, motherfucker, Ugh. is in class and basically is like, show us your foot. Yeah. She's like, she's like, so in John Paul Sartre's No Exit, <laughs> when he says hell is other people and that uh, actually the vices and, of lady, the body and drinking. Lady, show yes. us your foot. Show us the oh. toes. I am your, you are all my students, and this is uh, high school, but yes, I will show you my foot. Yeah, um, quit talking and take <laughs> off your shoe. Lady, don't show your class your foot. It's inappropriate. 
don't do it. I know. As soon as he asked that, as soon as he asked that, I was like, you do not have to do that. Like, you don't, no. don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> no, not. Yeah. Especially not now. No, no. Not for free. Come on, guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah. So, so James Marston explains how her foot came to be the way that it is. And and I can't stress enough how unnecessary this story is to to the plot this of the movie. This is critically wet. <laughs> not just what it describes, but just the way he's making a mold because he's oh, making yeah. like a prosthetic foot for her. So he's like gooping things, and he's like, "Hey, you've all as my coworkers, you've all locked uh level unlocked level five friendship." <laughs> So I'm going to tell you my wife's traumatic backstory. No, one of his friends already knows. One of his friends is like, oh, yeah, you got to hear this. <laughs> tell your wife's trauma. Go. Yeah, yeah uh, tell it again. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Tell it to our boss. Uh, I, okay, I, I'll tell it. So she goes in, I assume, like in the 1950s at this, at the probably, if this is Yeah, yeah, because I think it said, I think he said it happened when she was a child. She like fell out of a tree and broke her foot. Yeah, she broke her foot. So she went into the doctor. He puts an x-ray machine on her to look at her foot. <laughs> the doctor then leaves the room to go check on other patients and forgets about her. And she is exposed to so much radiation yep. that it just destroys her foot and they yep. have to amputate her a bunch of her toes. What? How do you forget the x-ray? Okay, if x-ray machines are that dangerous, I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they were. Surely they had x-ray technicians, but maybe not. Right. And just as an explanation, like, she could have lost her... But, like, there are many ways to lose one's toes that do not involve being, like, irradiated with me mega radiation. Yeah. I don't know. This, that, to me, was a wet choice. It's so wet and it's so specific that I thought, surely right. it had to tie back to something. Surely. Because it's so specific and I can't find anything i think this was like a horror tomorrowland where they're like we gotta put as much sci-fi uh technology as possible in this movie so she didn't just get an accident she got in a radiation accident yeah because because they say they stress earlier uh they i had to look up I had to look it up to make sure it was real because I don't know them. Um, that James Marsden <laughs> brings up Arthur C. Clarke's third law that any sufficiently right. advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I think this, right. yeah, they were just like, all right, so we're going to prove how technology is the same as magic because, like, look what it could do to a foot. And that's like science and it destroyed her foot. So, like, we don't right. know what the difference between God and science and magic is it's all the same right. and yeah <laughs> and we just trust the doctor the doctor's gone for like an hour i guess x-rays were relatively new you don't know you're like yeah sounds right it yeah. is hurting a lot um not not again not blaming her but surely someone would have interviewed i don't know anyway yeah, that to me was a critical way. Oh, uh, yeah. Backstory, unnecessary backstory. Okay, so I have my critically, a, a big critical wet moment that is mm -hmm. just like, 
really the one part of this movie that I <laughs> can't figure out. <laughs> it, it, it's the part that I can't figure out the most. It is that they keep cutting to scenes of Frank Langella in like his base, in like wherever his yes, home yes, base is. Yeah. And it's like a circular room it's like a concrete Mm -hmm, tube mm -hmm. with like swirling liquid around it where what is that place where is frank langella i think that's like a way station between realities okay but i think it's also the airplane hangar that that the nsa ah this really reminded me of david lynch's uh, Twin Peaks The Return in the way it kind of returned like some of the imagery but if that if David Lynch had been raised in a Burlington coat factory <laughs> I am not explaining that one I refuse to um, it does not like it's that's just what this movie is this is would be like if Stanley Kubrick tried to direct Sweet Home Alabama this is the movie he would <laughs> Yeah, he'd be like, "This is a romantic movie." Yeah, this is like a small. It's like a small southern town, you know. <laughs> Cameron Diaz, unlucky in love. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Uh, yeah, no, it very much reminded me of the return. Frank Langella yeah. operates from this, you know, just like swirly nonsense of a home base. And it's mm-hmm. this way station between dimensions. So you know, we're t- yeah. There are alternate dimensions in this movie. Yes. Yeah. There are alternate dimensions. There seems to be three. <laughs> yeah. there's. They make it pretty clear that there's uh, three. <laughs> there's three. Yeah. You think this is going to be like a, sh- again, a psychological thriller mm-hmm. of a shadowy, or I did, shadowy government MKUltra experiment. Mm-hmm. And then, then you find out that Frank Langella is controlling a lot of people in this town or he's controlling people who've been through the experiment yes and no because so gillian gillian jacobs is in this which is it's she she's little little gillian Uh, jacobs brit is in this yes yeah and she plays a babysitter and so for a while, I was like, okay, so it's very clear that this is an experiment. This is an experiment that aliens are running to determine if humans are good or evil. They spell all of this out in the movie. Like, this they is not... They were like, listen, the altruism coefficient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is a very scientifically run experiment. But yeah, they make all of this clear that this is an experiment that they're running. And so my first thought was like, you can't just because then they show you that the person with the box uh, before Cameron Diaz and James Marsden Mm -hmm. is somebody who lives in their same town who works at NASA. And I was like, you can't run an experiment if the entire sample size is from Langley, Virginia. That's you can't. Right. That's not a good. But then they reveal that. They're just in Langley, Virginia, and they're wrapping up the experiments being done here. Then they're going to go on to, I, they do say uh, the next place. They say Massachusetts. Oh, oh that's right, because so she's from watch Boston. Out, watch out. Yes. Um, so, yeah. and that, so, and you learn that Britta is from, Britta's character is from Boston. <laughs> so, and that's where yeah. she's going after this. They say they're going there next. Yes, so, like, yeah. it's people who are 
going to be going through the experiment and people who have been through the experiment and people who are currently it's like everybody in the town I think I don't know uh it's not it's not clear and yeah again the the sample size also they also are like it's only NASA employees we're doing right now this experiment on so I guess they're just going on like at a certain point you're gonna get farther away from being able to because people are gonna know each other I assume unless they're because I think they're also only killing people who are part of the experiment. I think this is like a NASA specific, at least in 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 Virginia. Yes. A NASA specific thing. Um and what's interesting is I thought they were alluding to I think when they're at the rehearsal dinner, they were like for oh, there's a wedding going. Also this is a Christmas movie. Um, oh it is, you're right. You're totally right. <laughs> it takes right. place at Christmas. Yes, because it takes place um, over like is, 2 days this, and it's it's Christmas time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's Christmas time. They go to a rehearsal dinner for like someone's wedding. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, it's also a secret Santa. It's also a secret Santa. I think one of them is related to. I think it's like Cameron Diaz's sister is getting married. Yes. Yeah. And at one point, I think her father-in-law was like, "They were like, oh, how are you paying for this?" And he was like, "Oh, I don't. We don't need to worry about it." That's when I was like, "Oh, did they get the box too?" I think that oh, would have been so cool. It would have if everyone in the town had gotten the box, which like kind of does happen. But I think it would have been an interesting commentary of like, how are people then using this wealth they've gotten from from murdering people? Yes. But, so they do, a critically wet moment for me is they do a, a good old rehearsal dinner, Christmas, Secret Santa, mm-hmm. or Yankee Swap. Yep. And James Marsden go, uh, goes first, and he's like, all right, I just got done uh, potentially murdering someone for money. And uh, he looks out in the crowd, and fucking sweet Robin from fucking Game of Thrones. Not literally, but that's his face. He's the, yeah, he's the embodiment. Uh, creepy him, yeah. student. He's a server at the party. He is. And he just holds up a peace sign, number two, and that'll be important. Yep. He's going to need that. Yep. Very Donnie Darko shit. He's going to need that. Maybe not right now. And he goes and just grabs a plain cardboard box, goes sit down, opens it, and it's a blurry photo of Frank Langella. Yep. So I did it. I cut off one arm, then I cut off the other, and I'm not a good butcher. And that's I- it. So that's it. And we don't explain, like, I guess uh, was Robert Aaron motherfucker, uh, is he being mind controlled by Frank Langella? Yes. And we know, yes, and we know this. Uh, because he gets a nosebleed, okay. and they later reveal that he gets a nosebleed. the nosebleeds okay. are happening because of like Frank Langella controlling everybody. Like they they say that. Okay. So yes, Caitlin, can can you play the role of the teenager in this yes. scene, mm-hmm. and I'll yes. be Frank Langella? Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm talking to you on the phone. Oh, uh, hi, uh, you Robert Aaron dumb kid uh you know how i control your mind right so what i'm gonna need you to do is at this uh at this party that we are uh infiltrating Mm -hmm. but but wait first first hold on first you need me to uh as a oh yes sorry we're very southern we're here in richmond virginia so and i'm an alien so let's get a little more southern oh yeah so so Mm -hmm. first uh mr frank langell first what you you need me to get a catering gig 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I need you to go to uh, Price's Catering Services. They're on 5th and Main Street. You'll know about it. Uh, go in there, give your references. Mm-hmm. You can put me down as as your alien overlord. You can uh, put me down uh, as a reference. But sir, That's you fine. do know that I am a sophomore in middle school, or a sophomore in high school, correct? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, just say that you work. You work for NASA. That's not a big deal. Okay. It's that that that's basically like mm, that's not impressing anyone in this town to say you work for NASA. All right. So what you're gonna do after you've been working at this catering gig for like two months? Yeah. They're gonna assign you to a more cushy gig. You're gonna do our rehearsal dinner for this uh, somewhat wealthy family in in Richmond. Uh, all very government connected, filled with cops. Uh, what you're gonna do? Well, first you're gonna come to my house first, okay? My airplane hangar. You know where that is? It's in the interdimensional way station between this reality and the next. Can you get there? Oh yeah, it's uh right off I ninety five, right? It's right. It's right, oh, off, right off I ninety five. Exactly. Yeah. It's, the, it's the NSA airplane hangar yeah. between the dimensions. Um, I'm gonna need you to bring your camera, and you're gonna take a really blurry photo of me. You think you can do that, just like, that it's not really clear it's me, but it's me. Um, Then you're going to put that in just a regular box, and you're going to sneak it into the present, and then you're going to make sure that, uh, you know that fellow that looks like James Marston from from Westworld? He's always (laughs) playing like a confused guy in the science fiction movie. He's like, what's going on? I don't have memory. Uh, That's him. Uh, give him number two. He'll know what that means. Uh, and just make Flash sure him he... a peace sign. Yep. <laughs> peace sign. He'll know. Oh, number two. Got to pick up the unwrapped plane box. And then uh, that's 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 really it. And then just kind of stare menacing at him, menacing at Lee at him. And uh, if you could write on his windshield. Uh, oh yeah. Oh fuck. What does he write in the windshield? No exit. Oh, if you. Could you, oh, you know that play that your uh, teacher is, and is teaching in class right now, No Exit? If yeah, you could, yeah. Yeah, it'd be really thematic if you could write that in snow on their windshield. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Do you have any one. questions, son? No, I don't have any questions. I know that play exactly because that's the one we were reading right before I asked her to show us her foot. <laughs> so I know exactly how By to write way, No Exit. <laughs> Son, I did not tell you to do that, but that was some good, <laughs> good off the dome, dome thinking. I would never ask you to be that creepy, but, but that was initiative. Oh, thank you. I, th- I thought you'd like that, sir. <laughs> All right. I love you. Bye. Oh yeah. I'm a- I love you too. I'm going to go get that catering gig now. I thought of that too. I was like, he had this kid get a catering gig so that he could go and do a peace sign yeah. at this thing <laughs> do a peace sign and like vaguely threaten him because cause, and she'd already threatened her by like yeah. Yeah. saying like i know that you're talking to your cop he's talking to his like cop brother-in-law or whatever yes about this oh my god uh and when he visits the cop at the police station. Oh my god, so I forgot about that. fucking funny. <laughs> I was like, wait, when did he visit a cop? <laughs> when he so he gets cuz he gets Frank Langella's uh license plate. Yes. He goes to the police station and he's like, 
can you run these plates? And he's like, oh, by the way, can I run, can I run these like extremely gory, probably confidential crime scene oh, photos? Yeah. He's you? like, here, look at this. <laughs> and it's and it's a it's a murder. Someone who's been murdered. Yeah, it's a murder. Yeah. And it's just more just like nonsense expository dialogue. Yeah, he shot her point blank range in the heart. No struggle. Hey, you want to come check out the crime scene with me? Yes. So at this is the point. This is the point where you learn the circumstances in which the previous owners of the box, uh, what, how how their fate ended up, and what that was, is you learn that this other NASA employee. He shot his wife point blank, but there was no sign of a struggle. So she she did not struggle. Like it's cl it's clear what they're telling you. Like this was the decision that they. This right, was the right. result of them having pressed the the box button. There there is no struggle. He must have shot her at point blank range, and then their daughter, mm -hmm. their young daughter, is locked upstairs in their bathroom, and that's all you know. Mm -hmm. But you learn those very important details. Yes. All of which happened to James Marsden and Cameron Diaz, which is why you see them. But to get uh, that's also interesting for me is to be like, ah, how are mm -hmm. like, presumably we are going to find out how this situation ended up the way it was. And and that's like that unraveling right, and going right. back in time is is interesting. Yes. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about my favorite lines of dialogue in this whole movie, because it's a it's Please around do. it's Please around do. this point. Um. I forget if it's James Marsden or because I didn't write this down. Uh, I believe it's Cameron Diaz because uh, she has like a conversation with Frank Langella at some point. James Marsden has his own little adventure with Frank Langella's wife in the library. Um, he has his own little little journey. And at the same time, Cameron Diaz is talking to Frank Langella and she says, sir, why a box? Basically, like, why do you do this? Ex yeah. Why, why yeah. a box? Because boxes are our theme of this movie. And he says, as if yes. this answers it, as if this answers yes. the question, he says, also, what a bold question. Like, what? <laughs> Who the fuck cares? That would not be my my question would be like, uh, why do aliens want to kill kill us all? Why are they doing this? What? Where do you come from? What do you mean? Are there other realities? No. Why a box? Why a box? And he okay, says, "Go on," because this speech I love so dumb. He says, "Your home is a box. Your car is a box on wheels. You drive home in it. You sit in your home, staring into a box. It erodes your soul, while the box that is your body inevitably withers and dies. Whereupon it is placed Ooh. in the ultimate box to slowly decompose." And mm. it's like none of that's not true, but also like yeah, it's not true. Like <laughs> he just says, "Your car is a box it's, on wheels." You can say that about everything. I think we've on this podcast we've made the argument that everything's a tube. Oh yes, uh, which is true. But you could argue that you could really argue about about anything. It's the most fake deep thing. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna say like the box that is your body, like. Your bo I, I've never yeah. heard a body described as a box before. I've heard it described as a vessel. I've heard right. it described as a, you know, a skin sack, a sack, you know, but never yeah, a box. Sure. And yeah. so that like if you're calling 
the bo- it's a tube it's a meat tube it's a tube come on it everything it's should have tube. been tubes yeah. this movie with just the addition <laughs> of t- replacing every box with a tube and replacing every time they say box <laughs> with tube i think it would have been a perfect movie <laughs> I think it'd be a much a much better movie. Yeah, the perfect. tube. I think it w- yeah, I think it would have just been like a little punchier, a little. I think it would have made more sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that speech. Truly was wild to me. I loved that. But like this movie, I feel like is like we're like different. Because, like, the previous two iterations, they focus on the button. <laughs> We're going to focus on the box. Because it's the button. It's pressing right, the right. button. It has nothing to fucking do with the box. It's if you press the button. And that's right. why the story is called right. Button it, Button. And that's why the Twilight Zone was called Button right. Button. And then this one comes along and it's like, we're just going to have, like, a lot of wet metaphors about boxes. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's it's an interesting metaphor. It's like the movie is saying that the thing that contains mm-hmm. something significant is more important yeah. than the actual thing, which is such a good metaphor for this yeah. movie. So because superficially, <laughs> it looks like it's going to be really good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The trailer <laughs> looks really good. Yeah. It looks really good. Uh Let's talk about the library scene. Oh, yes. And the portal and stepping through door number two. So, people are mind controlled by Frank Langella, Mm -hmm. as you all know from from our reenactment of it. Um, And they sometimes get out style, can like have flashes of coherence where they can, where they mostly warn James Marsden in really unhelpful ways. And he's told to go to the li- this library and he goes there and he sees a bunch of mind-controlled people. And then they're like, sure. I'm pretty sure one of the people there is Henry Rollins, but I don't have time to. <gasps> I couldn't look into whether that was true or not. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to go back and look. Oh, yeah. It definitely, like, I don't know if he was given a non-speaking cameo in this, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, no, he'd be up for it. So he he's brought to the inner sanctum of the library. And this is an example of, like, water features being wet, which I we don't talk about water a lot being wet. Right. Um, we really don't. This is some wet CGI water. Is it water? Is it goop? I don't know. Exactly. Like what makes this wetter is because it's like, it's clearly not water. You're looking at it and you're like, they want, what they want is for my eyes to tell my brain that this is water. Unfortunately, I can't do that because of the way that it looks. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, like specifically, it's almost like how... Like the water at an amusement park in water yes. rides is never like yeah. it because it, they put that blue shit in it. Yes. Like it always yeah. looks wetter than regular water right, because right, it's like right. they and it, this is like that where it's like yes. blue. It's like an unnaturally blue color and it's uh, right. it's very clearly not water. And that almost makes it wetter for not almost right, it does. Right. So, yeah. So he's at Universal Studios Islands of Adventure and. AKA the inner sanctum of the library. Oh, and first of all, just like a quick aside, because while (laughs) I was watching the movie, when I saw this in 2009, when it came out, I 
I wouldn't even dream of moving to Boston yet. But when I saw these scenes now, right outside the library, first of all, and then inside Mm -hmm. the library, they're in Virginia. They're in Richmond, Virginia. This is the Richmond, Virginia Public Library. And I was looking at it going, this is the Boston Public Library. I've been here a million times. No way that's not the Boston Public Library. And it is. They filmed it at the Boston Public Library. They filmed it at the BPL. That's wild. Yes, they did. Yeah. And outside it, too. If you watch right outside, right before he goes into the library, you will like the architecture is unmistakably oh, Boston yeah I you know, you'll recognize it yeah yeah again I think I was very confused <laughs> about what, what was happening on the screen that I just I, you know couldn't process that so he goes into the inner sanctum and you see three fairy lynchian three shimmering boxes of water I guess rectangles of water yeah yeah like columns yeah columns of water and they're like you gotta choose one to go through and he's like uh what (laughs) he's like (laughs) or that was me and they describe it one like you're either gonna go to eternal damnation or i don't know who says this but i wrote this down because it's it's a sick line. It's a place where the sidewalk ends. Maybe Frank Frank Langella says this later. And despair is no longer the governor of the human heart. First of all, sick Shel Silverstein reference. Again, with the yeah. literary illusions. Yeah. I don't know if that's what Shel Silverstein meant. But um I first of all, the governor of the human heart. I love it put that way. Um yep. But it does seem that despair wins in a landslide but every election season, more often <laughs> yeah. than not. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're getting bleak again. Um, anyway, so he, of course, goes through door number two or column yes. of water number two because Frank Langella's intern, <laughs> I think at another time also showed him too. Yes. There's other people besides just the student. There are other people yeah. that flash the number two to him. Yeah. So can you explain to me? Because I was also, I was a little feral watching this movie. I was also like <laughs> trying to cook my first meal of the day at like 8 p.m. We're good. I'm fine. Um, we're good. Can you explain to me what happens to him when he yes. goes through there and describe what happens in the next scene? Because it's very wet, but I, yeah. I can't, I just, I'm so I'm tired. So weirdly, yeah. I actually can, dis- I actually can tell you what happens to him because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they... <laughs> Because uh, later, (laughs) James Marsden uh, is shown a manual. And this is a manual written by and for the aliens, I believe. This is for them. It is called the CBT Human Resource Exploitation Manual. And I paused the movie so that I could write down everything on these pages. And this is... This is what it tells you is happening in the columns. Now, the columns are a test. I want to be clear. James Marsden is being put through a test in this scene. Now, what I don't understand is the outcome, the outcome of what James Marsden does now is like what they're gathering data on. What the fuck is the button thing then? It like if it depends on this this choice you make with the water columns, right? Where what he's is the, the button choice then? Yeah, right. I don't. But but we learn from this manual that this test that James Marsden is undergoing right now is called the water coffin triptych. 
So the water oh coffin God. triptych is the setup of the three water columns. That's the triptych, the the tri of the triptych. And oh so, uh, so to quote the CBT Human Resource Exploitation Manual, test subject must choose between three gateway paths. Uh, and then there's this very, there's a drawing of a very anatomical skeleton with parts labeled and then just a big arrow pointing to like uh, an illustration of the water <laughs> oh <my> column. <laughs> if you didn't understand, he needs to walk into the water column. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, yeah. test subject is submerged in chlorine barrier during analysis period of 60 minutes. Gateway transit analysis will determine fate of test subjects. Okay, so James Marsden selects which gateway he wants. He selects number two. He goes in and he is submerged in that uh, liquid for an hour. And okay. analysis is so he, he walks into this column and he undergoes analysis for an hour. To me, that means he's okay. just standing there in that column. Then once the cool. hour is done, he is transported back to his home and that is done by, uh, we are shown that through Cameron Diaz waking up one day and there is the horizontal column of water containing James mm -hmm. Marsden hovering six inches above her. Right. Close to the ceiling of their bedroom. And so there's just like this undulating block of CGI liquid containing James Marsden. <laughs> He's just been sitting in it for an hour UPS, at the library. James Marsden. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then it breaks and then the, the column yeah. breaks and he is transported back to his bedroom along with just like hundreds of gallons of water. So much that it's leaking through their bedroom floor. It is yeah. it is soaking the entire room beneath it, which is the kitchen. And uh, and the, it is just their their bed, their whole bed is so soaking wet. Uh, and the movie does a good bed. job. Ugh. Of showing you how wet how wet everything is, I will say that's something the movie did very well. Was uh, yeah. <laughs> they really doused this entire bedroom with water? But I hope that I hope that scientifically explains um, what happened to James Mars. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent. I get it now. Um, yeah, really, just acting again. I I think that I, it's funny now that. I noticed that James Marsden is put into a lot of roles where he's kind of like just confused by science fiction elements. I mean, honestly, like I could talk for we could do a whole episode on that. I James Marsden <laughs> and James Marsden and Dugray Scott both need like their they, they need another chance to be like a, yes. a leading man in something because yes. they just. Yeah. I feel the same way about James Marsden that I do with DeGray Scott, where he just gets so close to things that are like really cool. And then like, yeah. they just don't know how to use him or something. Cause they he's always like, they don't know how to utilize him. He's always like the boyfriend that somebody settles for, yeah. or like, you know, the prince from Enchanted, who's not the one that you want to root for her to be right, with, right. or the guy from The Notebook that you don't root for her to be with. <laughs> like, the guy in Westworld After that you don't root for her to be with. <laughs> Honestly, like, that's like, he's got to take that personally at some point. He's got to be like, right? Like, what oh is my it? God, is in it an me? Is it my face? And the like, guy, you don't, you're not, 
He's like, I have one skill, and it is being the Gale in these love triangles. Very handsome, yes. very suitable, but ultimately not the one that any that people want the woman to pick. Um, yes, yeah, James Marsden. Just his mouth is always hanging open. I don't think it was particularly hard to act confused given this script. Correct. But he does a great job of his mouth. He's just he like constantly just has one of the best. The, the man is face. agog. He's agog constantly. Yeah. yeah. I. <laughs> someone got to explain. I don't know if it's a himbo quality. I don't know, but someone's got to like. I think it is. He's totally him. a himbo. Yeah. He's totally He's a, such himbo. a himbo. Um. He uh, he looks like he has fun in every role though. Yes, like he he yes. looks like he just like he's yeah. never been the leading starring guy in anything that you want to root for her to be with. Right. Uh but he always just you're always happy he's there. That's how I feel. If I hear James Marsden's in something, I I'm like, "Oh, okay. I'll check it out." Yes. You know? Yeah. I I think he's very funny. I do too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's in. Um, he really doesn't take himself seriously, which is he cool. does not take himself seriously. I think he's like. He, I think he was really funny on Thirty Rock. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. As Chris with. Um, yes. Uh, like C R I S or something. Yes. Yeah, I think he. I think he's a fun, a funny per- yes. person. I think maybe like. That's where he really, really shines. Um, he was probably like, I get to be in a movie with Cameron Diaz and we're like the two leading roles. Sick. Hell yeah. I don't care. Don't tell me anything else about it. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, okay. You say he was not a leading man. Uh, he was in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Okay, so he was the lead in that. Okay, he was he was the lead in that. I need this is like an aside, but I need to tell you about this because I forgot to follow up on it. I okay, I looked up the Sonic the Hedgehog movie the other day because there was an ad for it like on my TV or something, and it said that it said like fuck, I forget what the catchphrase was, but it was some catchphrase where I was like, that is that really Sonic the Hedgehog's catchphrase? And so I looked it up and there are a lot of quotes attributed to Sonic the Hedgehog, like on Wikipedia, there are many quotes mm-hmm. attributed to Sonic the Hedgehog and most of them are things like, hey, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, what's up? And I'm like, you can't just, that can't be a Sonic the Hedgehog quote. You can't list that as one of his yeah. catchphrases. And it's listed as yeah. his catchphrase. That's, um. Hey, yeah. No, please. Uh, I, I got, I got like 45 more minutes in me <laughs> for, for Sonic the Hedgehog. If you but yeah, I do plan on watching Sonic the Hedgehog just because like, I just got to know what's going on in that movie. I got to know what. I got to know. I want to see the version that they didn't fix. Oh, I, I, I wish can't that. Believe they, yeah. Those cowards bowed to internet pressure and removed his horrifying human teeth. No. Do they not care about our podcast? Like, <laughs> like seriously. No. Also, uh, I, I don't know, though, Sophie. You say that James Marsden is, is the leading man in Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Sonic the Hedgehog. I think you're right. I was just counting. I was just counting him. I, I, yeah. Oh, man. Shout out James Marsden. You're Shout out to James Marsden. And but yeah, I I did find it really odd that they they like spell out 
getting back to the box um yeah. they spell out at the end that it is this like it is this decision that james marsden makes between the water columns that determines the fate of the test and i was like i thought the pushing of the button right. was the thing that determined the fate but apparently or what about the last the last decision they have to make which may or may not be in their hands yeah. but like okay all right the tw- the twist this bullshit so this is the last thing this is like the last thing that happens yeah. and and this is the last stuff that i took notes on yeah that yeah we i could talk for <laughs> literally 45 minutes about how fu- the fucked up ending of this movie with their son um you 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 explain it you set oh, this up oh fuck okay so <laughs> also they're like before I do that, when he goes through door number two and um, water lands onto his polyester yes. 1970s bed, onto Cameron Diaz, who sleepwalks home at freaking out her son. Oh, yeah. Like, or, yeah, and her son was like, I saw you get home last night. You just, like, you drove you drove home unconscious. Yeah, I guess she's being <laughs> mind-controlled. I don't know. She He asks... Frank Langelli, he's like, is this purgatory? And I'm like, what? So he's in purgatory now? But, like, what does that mean about the choices? Like, is is there hell? Like, I get it if it's a no-exit thing. No, it doesn't, this doesn't make any fucking sense. You can't, listen, listen, J.J. Abrams, you can't just say something is purgatory. I mean, you can, but not in, in the box. It, it's not in the sh- movie based on a short story about a button oh boy okay so basically he he's home with the family and then some shit happens and he finds out uh that his son has been taken right so he finds that out maybe before he goes to the door Yes, yes, because he knows he knows that when he gets home, his son will be there. Cameron okay. Diaz also knows this too. She, okay. they know that like, because uh, they ask like, where you took our son? Where'd you take him? And right. they, he explains that like when he drops them back off, they'll all be fine. This is yeah. so unnecessary. He goes home. Frank Langella is like, hey, here's the final deal, and this maybe should have been in the terms and conditions of pressing the button. Yeah. Right. Because it's not just we're going to kill somebody. It's this is also part of it. I, I've i taken your yeah. son. He can no longer see or hear. And that is a direct result of you pressing the button, even though you didn't know that was a consequence. I thought the consequence was taking human life. Fine. Right. Or here's a gun. It's got one bullet. You can shoot your wife in the heart and uh, he will get his vision and hearing back. By the way, he's locked up upstairs. Yeah. Soaking wet. Soaking, soaking wet, wet in a soaking wet bathroom. Yes. The whole bathroom is soaking wet. This this poor child is cover in still in his his school clothes, still yeah. in his Catholic school uniform. Mm-hmm. And he is just soaking wet in this bathtub, crawls out of the bathtub and is crawling soaking wet on this wet right. ass bathroom floor. Yeah. Ugh, terrible. But yes. We want to be very clear. The choice here, mm-hmm. the choice here is between having a child, having your son and your family still together. Yes. The three of you get to be together. You will still be a family. You're still a loving family together. Or Cameron Diaz dies. Those are the choices. 
Right. And you go to jail for murdering her. Yes. Yes. Well, I don't think he goes to jail for murdering her because he turns the gun on Frank Langella. And Frank Langella says, sure, shoot me, but then you're going to go to jail for my murder. Okay. So, and then some some shadowy car comes and takes James Marsden away at the end. So I think like, because otherwise, why wouldn't he just shoot Frank Langella? If he's going to get in trouble for murdering Cameron Diaz, why wouldn't he just shoot? Right. If he's going to get, uh, frame for murder either way right. why wouldn't he just f- shoot Frank Langella he I think he's gonna take get taken and like be witness relocated somewhere yes that's what I think James Marsden is not gonna get in trouble with the law for killing Cameron Diaz right. I think that's he part works of the at deal. NASA because <laughs> he works at NASA yeah but again the choices here because what the movie wants us to believe is the choices are be- the, what they want to set up is that the choice is between the son and Cameron Diaz mm-hmm. that's what James Marsden is having to choose between but that is not what's happening right. because a child being deaf and blind is not the same thing as a child dying right. and that is what the movie is setting up right. and that is disgusting disgusting that is disgusting that Cameron Diaz says you she literally says you have to kill me it's the only way there's no other way the movie is like it is more altruistic yes to shoot your wife in the chest than have a disabled child is is the final message of the movie if not altruistic it a consequence yes of you pressing the button which again nobody knows and then the movie is like oh well when the people who die when you press the button are the women always the women yes who get shot in the chest yes this happens they found enough nuclear families with one child which fine who work at nasa and don't know each other so whenever someone presses the button like, because they show, show another couple, another woman yes. pressing the button at the moment that James Marsden shoots her in the chest. So, but like, James Marsden did it. But I guess, yes. is it like just the cycle continues? Or like, are they saying that like, it doesn't make any, it does not make any sense. I mean, what Frank Langella says is... If enough people don't like people just have to not press the button, people just have to not press the button. And if they don't press the button, this won't happen. But like or if they don't press the button, then we then they the human race won't be destroyed. But that's not like it ends up being pressing the button just initiates a series of events that ends up being you have to choose between your your child and and again They're saying you have to choose between your child and your wife, but your child alive and in almost every way healthy and uh, a dead wife and you murdering your wife. That's what you're choosing between. And and yes, I do think they're saying that every time this is what and it's it's literally saying that this man has to answer for and make these moral decisions because of just an act that his wife did just it the wife initiates it the woman initiates it and then these men have to like have to be the ones who 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 deal with it and uh end up making the ultimate decision in the end and that ultimate decision nine times out of ten is you shoot your wife right and then when he's put in the car with frank langella and you pan back to the the window you see you see the boy 
and James Marsden again? No, you just see the boy. He, no, he, who was with him? You just see the boy. You just see him looking out the window. Okay, okay. I thought, I think my head was like, what if they're still in purgatory and James Marsden? Anyway, I was... So when, when James, so I think I figured it out. I think, so James Marsden says... <laughs> You gave me a glimpse of the afterlife, didn't you? Because this is purgatory and you're here to shut us down. So I think when he says this is purgatory and you, meaning the aliens, the aliens are here to shut okay. us down. I think like Earth is purgatory. I think like that's what. Okay. Yeah. That like the aliens have come here to show us that Earth is purgatory and they're going to decide if it needs to exist or not. Okay. So we have big engineer en- energy coming from these yeah. aliens. Um, so, okay. And I think she's like, oh, I'm fine with you shooting me in the chest because you've seen the afterlife. And he was like, it's chill. So it's cool yeah. if we all die. Like, that's fine. Actually, it's good if they destroy the human race because then we'll all die and we'll go to the chill afterlife. Wow, that's a bleak ending. I think that's what, like, the alien's point of view. Yeah. And again, it, it like I we can't stress enough how I like this bothered me so 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 much because you can watch this mm-hmm. you can watch this whole movie like an hour and a half of this movie and none of this like um this hasn't come up yet this like addition right. of like he's going to be blind and deaf uh as the consequence right. like you've gone this whole movie and then they throw this at you and while there's been a ton of other ableist stuff, there has, we've said that. This is the point where I'm like, you they're equating dying with being blind and deaf. Right. And like, could you imagine saying that to someone who was blind or deaf? They'd be like, what do you mean? Like, why would anyone shoot anyone? Why, why is right, anyone shooting right, anyone? Right. Why aren't they always just choosing to be a family? <laughs> right. It's It's fucked up. It's just like... And it's not, even if it, like, I think it's never, never okay to, like, again, use disability in that way that frames it as, like, this horror uh, or, like, a or a consequence for being, for being bad parents right. or whatever. Um, that's always fucked up. But they also, like, hadn't set that up as a theme. No, like, no. If there had been, like, more allusions to it. I still wouldn't have been happy, but I'd at least be like, right. okay, well, at least it was, like, a theme. I, it's not a theme and no exit. As I don't know. And, like, I guess I just, uh, it would have been mostly the same thing if it were just pick between your wife and your son, right? Right. Like, I, mm-hmm. in, in my mind, I don't know why Frank Langella, and again, this is fiction, like, why didn't Frank Langella just, just... Yeah, this is fictional. This did... Caitlin, this didn't actually happen. I'm... Yeah. I'm, I keep I'm being so like, happy well, to tell you didn't... that. Because, <laughs> like, Frank Langella could have just handed him the gun and said, shoot your wife or shoot your son. Pick one. Like, that would have exactly. been... Simple. Yes. yes. <laughs> Simple. Frank Langella. I, I can't tell you how much I would have rather seen James Marsden shoot a child in the chest than have them pause it than have them pause it that being blind and deaf is the same as being dead like I would much rather much rather watch James Marsden shoot a child you know who would do a better job at setting this up than Frank Langella uh my my 
personal hero of mine, my short king, Jigsaw from the Saw movies. He would not. It is very Saw, isn't would, it? Yeah, it's very Saw. He would, but he would set it up in a in a thematic way that like tied. He's like, I forget what Jigsaw sounds like. He's just a little guy. It's his. He has like a, the voice modulator, so you have to sound like a monster. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. So. Oh, actually, just, just say it normal. Again. I can probably, I can probably put oh, like a voice cool. modulator. Okay. Thing on it. Yeah. So imagine I've just tricycled into your 1970s living room. Of course. Hey guys, it's me, Jigsaw. Um, it's the 1970s. I know we're, we're going through a lot of existential things here. So, uh, because you were all so greedy, and you hit that button. I'm about to hit a button right here on my tricycle, and if you don't shoot your wife in the head, uh, the explosive device that I've put into your son's brain will explode when I hit this button. You can't kill me because I'm a puppet. So much better. Better ending. Again, don't want a child's head to explode, but I assume then I would understand the parents being like, no brainer. Well, also, I mean, maybe the point is like, it's still hard. It's like, yeah, no brainer. Shoot me in the chest so our child's head doesn't explode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Jigsaw has integrity. He's about... He's about putting thought into it. He and he doesn't have minions he mind controls. He's no, doing this he all, is getting like, his shit done himself. Yeah. Yeah. And he is making the like weird punishment things like fit the life story and fit character. It. Yes. It, he, it, yeah. Also, Jigsaw, he, the dedication to spend two hours. Lying on the floor, pretending to be dead. Oh, yes. Amazing. One of method. the best performances. Like, method. Me- oh, my God. Just wonderful. Yeah. No, Frank Langella, uh, alternatively in this movie, not. He has to, He right away, he has to be like, <laughs> notice how strange I am. <laughs> <laughs> You know who doesn't have to do that fucking jigsaw because he's a puppet who rides a tricycle. Exactly. God. So that's the box, you know? That's the box. Just a cautionary tale. Yeah. What what moral lesson did you get from that? (laughs) I was going to say, if you had to boil down the cautionary tale (laughs) of this, I think it's like, don't press a button i don't press buttons don't press a button don't, don't press, press buttons which i've actually and i try not to or podcasting i have this fidget cube that has been great for yes, zoom calls yeah. but it is mostly again press yeah it's buttons. really um not um, it's really like desensitizing you to button pushing so when you finally get that box on your doorstep <laughs> it's fidget cubes are really gonna ruin the experiments it's it's gonna it's gonna ruin it. <laughs> what if what if it had been a, f- a fidget spinner and it's like if, if you spin this fidget, fidget but then Cameron spinner. Diaz would have been like, sir, why a f- spinner? And he would have been like, because the Earth is a spinner that is spinning on its axis, <laughs> and our bodies are just spinners that spin our souls around and cars are just spinners <laughs> that spin on smaller spinners <laughs> you can do it yep. for anything 
anything. You can do it for anything. Oh my god. Um, I think what I yeah I learned <laughs> not to press a button. Yeah, I guess the other message is wives. They nag you. They they're gonna uh, be your downfall. Kid, yeah, they're they're gonna be your downfall. Um, just very like Lady Macbeth style. They're gonna just. They're just going to push that yeah. button every Honestly, time. Honestly, like the message is don't trust your wife. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. And that's that's true in all the adaptations. Um, Sounds like it. Don't trust yeah. your wife. Which, again, like, it's not inherent. Like, it's 2021. Women women can be murderers. Women can be greedy. Exactly. It's just weird that it's always it's always this dynamic. Yes. Well, I mean, I I do think that it is like uh, they're t- like the the Catholicism metaphors are not subtle. So yeah. I think like <gasps> right, like it's the button is the red is the apple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Franklin Jelly is Satan. Okay, so all I right, think, I'm back on board for the movie. Yeah, I think there was that theme <laughs> of like it is always the woman who makes the choice that causes right, the downfall right. and. Um, shit shit yeah oh i forgot about uh christianity for a second (laughs) yeah you gotta you always gotta take that Uh, into consideration uh yeah as a theme also don't if your doctor leaves you in an x-ray not an mri machine you you should be in there for a while but like if if your x-ray is taking too long um yeah maybe call a nurse yeah, okay? I think, like, the moral is before you get an x-ray, make sure you have one of those, like, call button things. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. And that'll just, like, just precaution. Yeah. So that's, like, a good message to spread, I guess. That is a good message. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a little, there's somebody outside my door with a conundrum, just like, just oh, no. like Frank Langella. Can it get in here? Uh-huh. Aww. <laughs> hey jigsaw jigsaw keanu you got oh come in with you in your little tricycle oh my god you're so cute oh, do the, uh, honk the horn uh, honk the little horn honk the little <laughs> the red button yeah, yeah, yeah. ring the Just little bell it. ring the little bell on the tricycle you don't you don't have any holes nope i think there's two holes in this movie <laughs> there's the one that goes without saying there's the big giant hole in frank langella's face and i want to be clear that i'm for it okay. i was i liked that stylistic choice i like yes. i like frank langella with a big gaping hole in his face so i can see his teeth when he talks um i like that and that's a big that's the hole that's the hole that we're all thinking about it's the one on all our minds and then the only other one i can think of is like it's a very mysterious hole still to me is like I keep getting an image of I think I just wasn't perceiving it correctly I think I need to just like pause it at one of these moments and just like really study when he is in that like his home base uh his yeah Mm -hmm. his like base to the portals where it's like it's concrete but it's water and it's like a, a tube but it's a room yeah, that was a very mysterious, very mysterious hole. Very. Mm-hmm. So, Jean-Paul Sartre <laughs> actually wrote about holes. Um, <gasps> yeah, he yes. had a whole theory um, on holes. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna read a little a little passage uh, he wrote about holes, and I'm not happy about it. But and it doesn't have anything to do with the movie, but. Neither did any of the Jean-Paul Sartre 
references in this movie. So I think it's appropriate. Oh, I'm not. Uh, this is not a great quote. We can decide whether to keep it or not. The hole. The hole is something which longs to be filled. We get that you're French, dude. <laughs> ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, I don't like this at all. Uh, the small child is drawn as if by magic to holes. He cannot oh. restrain himself from putting in his finger or his whole arm. He makes a symbolic sacrifice of his body to cause the boy to disappear and a plentitude of being to exist. Okay, maybe um, the second part is the... You could keep the second part. That okay. is rough. Or we could keep the whole thing. The fundamental tendency of human beings... It, to stop up holes persists throughout life, symbolically and in reality, and only from this standpoint can we understand why the feminine sex is obscene. It is obscene because it is a hole and because it sends out an appeal for a plenitude of flesh. A woman also senses her condition as such an appeal, such an enticement. Thus, every hole becomes something obscene because it is an obscene expectation. Dude. Just say you're French and horny. Don't make up the philosophy of existentialism just so you can, like, wax about holes wanting to be filled. Start a podcast and make it a running joke, sure. Don't yeah. call yourself a philosopher and write bullshit like this. Yeah, I I think, uh, hot take, I don't think he was super, super, super kind to women. I'm also looking, I'm on JSTOR, and I found a article called Holes and Slime, Sexism in Sartre's Psychoanalysis. So I know what I'm reading tonight. <laughs> Holes and Slime. He seems like a uh, slimy dude. He is just like full of slimy holes. Uh, uh, we should probably issue this fucker some verdicts yeah so i think this movie this honestly this movie was uh wetter than i thought it was going to be when i thought about this movie i had two things in mind i had the idea that like it i remembered that it was like about purgatory in some way mm -hmm. and that's just like uh as we know a, a very liminal space it's it's neither here nor there it's where the sidewalk ends and um and that's just that seemed very wet and fluid to me and then also mm -hmm. i i had some visuals of that the liquid inside of the library the very cgi liquid in in, in that library yeah. um so i was i f had forgotten all about the motel pool that they use as a gateway mm -hmm. um that's disgusting it was that's like yeah. the most disgusting and wet thing you could use as a gateway so i uh i'm just thinking about like how that that liquid uh at the that they get into at the um at the motel it's like it's it's cgi so we discussed how it's like it's viscous but it's not yeah. quite it's like thicker than liquid it's like a gel almost yeah. so thinking about that gel that you know james marsden gets in and we know that there was a ton of chlorine in it so we know it, it there's a there's a there's a smell to it there's a stench mm -hmm. uh this is about as wet as um motel hell smell gel smell like james marsden just splashed all over you so this is like if you bottled that smell and you could wear it and if you just always wanted to smell just like James Marsden just like splooged all over your room, uh, that's, you know, 
I just wish we had that yeah. scent that we could wear. I know. Every day. <laughs> it would make me feel more confident. That's accurate. That's completely accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie was wet. It's themed way wetter than it would be if it was a straight up psychological thriller. Uh, <laughs> the themes, the themes were very wet. Um, so I would say that this movie is as wet as Gerald Ford being dared by Soviet leader Leonid Brezhnev to spit into a time capsule uh, that he buries in his backyard the night of his inauguration. Later, that time capsule is discovered, and it is part of an unboxing YouTube video by uh, YouTube star Logan Paul, who, on a dare, also on a dare, uh, drinks his spit, not knowing that it's actually a rift in the space-time continuum, and he's sent back to the 1970s and forced to drive Gerald Ford around as his familiar because he's imbibed his spit. Um, I don't want to disrespect our audience by even explaining that but if i have to you know it's very 1970s performatively so um oh, yes. it's, <laughs> it's performance specifically almost, yeah. yeah um it's very but it's also very sci-fi futuristic and uh also there's a lot of dares in it but yeah that you think are big moral choices but are actually more just like you won't yeah. Um, and that's sort of the <laughs> consequence. Which yeah, I would love if Frank Langella just slapped the button down and was like, you won't, pussy. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was. It was escalating like they, he would be like, all right, this is the test. You won't. <laughs> and then she pushes it. And then later he's like, that wasn't it. Now it's this. You won't. And then James Marsden picks the water column. And then he's like, that wasn't it. Now it's between your wife and your son. You won't. Like it's just- Right. No one would press the button if you were like, if you do this, you will end up shooting your wife in the chest. Because again, that would again that would be against the original terms of the deal. Yeah. Um, which again, if he's the devil, that makes sense. Like that's a straight up devil's deal. But make that clear. But he's not the devil, though. He's like they're like a neutral party. They're a uh, neutral party they're that scientists. just wants to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and also Logan Paul, he is like a real example of someone who embodies an an id. And so he's, I don't think he thinks through choices. So he would slam that button. Um, Yeah. And like, but, and, and make a big uh, spectacle of it. Yes. Um, So yeah, this, this movie was wet. Oh my God. A a sponsor. Are you kidding me? Oh, fuck. (laughs) this is gonna be fun oh i think i think we actually got a uh real sponsor for this episode like a real a real like uh corporate sponsor for this episode um we've sold out i love it i I knew it was gonna happen it was gonna happen i didn't expect so soon i know i know and especially uh a, a business of this caliber with such brand recognition um so This episode is brought to you by the Container Store. Hey, everything's a box. You're a box. Your children are a box. Your body's just a box for your organs, which your organs are just a box for your blood and cells. Your cells are just a box for your mitochondria. You're going to drive to our store, which is a box, in your box. You're going to get 
out and walk on your boxes, which are your shoes, which are on the feet of your, (laughs) which are the boxes of your feet. You're going to walk through our doors, which are just merely a, a box for entering into our box from the box that is the outside. And you're going to come into your store and we're so happy to announce our store full of boxes. That's all we have. Boxes, boxes, boxes. And you know what you're going to take home? You're going to take home those boxes and you're going to deal with your loveless marriage in your box. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin, I'm, th- I, we could not have sold out to a better company. <laughs> I know, store. honestly, it's just so the prestige that comes the prestige. with with the container uh, store, you know, <laughs> prestige. <laughs> How good of a movie is the prestige? God damn! For every second that I've spent watching the box, I need to watch the prestige one time. <laughs> so. How many seconds is the box? That's, gonna be a lot. That's like that YouTuber who. <laughs> Um, he, this is worth it. I know it's 1230 on a school night, but, uh, (laughs) he, uh, every time Sam steps towards mortar in the first movie, (laughs) the the scene of him being, furthest I've ever, this is it. This is what? If I take one more step, it'll be the farthest away from home I've ever been. And then someone else did a YouTube video, uh, like a time lapse of them watching nine hours of that, um, of that (gasps) whole YouTube video straight through. (laughs) And it was a harrowing experience. And he interviewed the guy who edited the original video. And he was like, well, you spent longer than me. And he's like, no, it took me like three hours to make because I'm really good at editing. So you actually wasted more time watching it than I did making it. And I'm like, just like the box. <laughs> just like the box. Jesus Christ. Is it what? This has been a production of Mess and Finesse, a comedy label based out of Somerville, Massachusetts. If you want to hear more of this program or shows like this, please send us an email at admin at messandfinesse.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at M-E-S-S-A-N-D-F-I-N-E-S-S-E dot com. And for more content, directory of programs, or information on live shows and comedy classes, please visit messandfinesse.com or follow us at Mess and Finesse on social media. Thank you for listening.